been damn near three weeks since I did one of these. Let's see if I'm uh, not terrible at it. I don't know, like I almost feel like it's the first one starting from scratch. But I'm I, I just going to welcome to the podcast, by the way. This is Soups on Hockey, we'll call it today. Even though this is going to be a hybrid, going to be a lot of other stuff today. going to be a lot of trade deadline stuff today. And I say today, but it's really tonight. It's 9.52 on Tuesday night. How you doing? I'm your host, Tyler Campbell. I don't really know if I refer to myself as a host before, but I guess that's technically what I'm doing here. Um, hope everybody's doing good. Hope you haven't missed me too bad. Haven't been able to do near as much of this shit as I wanted to in the new year. Uh, but, you know, uh, I don't get paid for this shit. So you take what you get if you're a fan of me. Why you'd be a fan of me, no idea. Um, before I start tonight, just to just to get myself warmed up more than anything. This is going to be a long podcast, by the way. I mean, if you've downloaded it, you can probably see. It's like probably two hours, maybe even three hours of a podcast. I should probably break them up if I'm going to end up doing three hours. But anyway, um, I don't usually take stuff to get dry cleaned. So what the deal is, is at my employers, I guess you could say, um, <laughs> uh, I guess like I, we used to get the dry cleaning done every Tuesday. So anytime I needed a suit dry clean, and that's the only thing I ever get dry cleaned. I'm not Michael Scott. I don't get my jeans dry cleaned. I need a suit dry cleaned. I just drop it off, you know, put it in our pile at work and, uh, it gets done. Company picks up the tab on it, you know, no big deal. Uh, Tuesday morning is when I have to have the suit in to get a dry clean when they come and pick it up. Uh, I didn't have it in. So tonight I had to go to the dry cleaners by myself. I don't believe that the dry cleaners that I went to, I won't mention which dry cleaners in Lloydminster, Alberta slash Saskatchewan it was. I don't believe that they get too much new clientele because, man, that motherfucker at the dry cleaner sure didn't know how to deal with a new customer. Uh, he looked mystified, would be the word I'd use. Completely mystified at a new customer. And I simply said, hey, I just need this suit to be dry cleaned and I need it uh, before Thursday at noon. Because Steph and I have a wedding in... Uh, I don't know exactly where it is. One of the lakes in the mountains. It's out by field. We're staying in field. Uh, you know, somewhere out there this weekend. So anyway, I need my suit dry cleaned. This guy had to double check three times. First, he needed to check to see how many suit jackets I had. Well, I have one because there's only one suit in there, bud. And then he was curious as to how many pairs of pants I had. Well, the answer's still one. Because it's one suit. Not two or three. Why with one suit would I have three pairs of pants? But this dude, fuck, he had to check. Like, if I ask for one suit to be dry cleaned, you know what you could do? You could... If you came across extra clothing in that, you know, suit bag that I had, 
what you could do is not dry clean all of the pieces of a suit that <laughs> like you could if there's more than one pair of pants for example you could not dry clean two pairs of pants because the customer asked you to dry clean one suit okay and i checked on their website before i went in there it specifically says suits and the price next to it so i had a suit and i had a sh- you know obviously i have a dress shirt i don't know if that counts as part of the suit but then he asks how many dress shirts this is as he's looking through the bag may i add there's just one dress shirt because bud there's just one suit that needs to be dry cleaned i don't know how many times i'm going to tell you this now remember when i said by thursday at noon the next thing he says to me is okay we can have this for you by thursday at four does that work well no it doesn't because thursday at four unless you mean 4 a.m which i don't believe your store is open at that time 4 p.m on thursday falls after 12 p.m on thursday so doesn't really work for me, bud. Now, okay, up until that point, <laughs> I'm willing to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. And I'm thinking to myself, none of this story is going on a podcast. It's just a little misunderstanding. No problem. The guy's probably really sharp and just kind of, you know, maybe hard of hearing. I don't know. Maybe he wasn't listening too good. I'm guilty of that a lot. But here's where... <laughs> Here's where he just sunk himself. He basically ratted himself out for being such a fucking useless... I better not say anymore. (laughs) He then says to me, after I say, no, I need it by Thursday at noon. This was just, just re-entered into the conversation. So he's now been told this twice and been told this via my last sentence. He responds with, is Wednesday after 6 okay? I don't know, motherfucker. Look at a clock or a calendar or know what order the days of the fucking week come in. Know how time works. Ask yourself a simple question. Does Wednesday at 6 p.m. come before or after Thursday at noon? Yes! Yes, it does! So, yes, it works! (laughs) You have got to be kidding me! And I hate, I don't know what it is about me, but I hate going into stores that I've never been in before. And I hate calling places or calling people who I've never talked to on the phone. I don't know what it is. I just cringe at it. I just cringe at it because you're, I don't know if it's, you're just, it's it's a maiden voyage. Even if you know a person and you've never talked to them on the phone before, phone manners can be different than the way people are in, you know, face-to-face or via text. 
you know, in store, like you never know what you're going to have to deal with. And so I, I just even like I'm saying to myself driving down there tonight, like, okay, man, fuck, you go in, it'll be two minutes, you tell them that you need this suit dry cleaned and, and you need it done by Thursday at noon, and it'll fucking be two minutes and in and out, no problem. Nope, this is obviously why I hate going into new places. Obviously. Fuck me. Is Wednesday at 6 okay? Is it okay? (laughs) Does it come before Thursday at noon? That's all you have to ask yourself. Yes, it's fucking okay. It was actually a question he came back at me with. God. It just... My mind was blown. Like, I feel like I was... uh, Maybe it was Peter Shirelli. Because I feel like that's how Peter Shirelli would have negotiated a contract with, say, Leon Dreisaitl. He would have looked at Mike Liute in the summer of 2017. And he would have said... And Mike would have said, Okay, look, Peter, this is what we need. My client wants eight years and he wants $7.5 And Peter first looked at him and said... Would 5.5 for eight years be okay, Mike? Well, no, that that doesn't work, Peter, because we needed eight times 7.5. Oh, okay. Would eight times 8.5 then work, Mike? Yeah. Yeah, Peter. Yeah, yeah, it would. Yeah, it would. Thanks. Holy shit, man. Like, I'm stupid, right? Like, I am stupid. I have always said I am just barely smart enough to know how stupid I am. We all know stupid people. They have no, they're oblivious to it. And man, it must be bliss for them. I have, like, some of the dumbest people I know. And, like, people who I deem to be dumber than myself. They just seem to be so fucking happy. They're so happy. Like, I would kill to be that happy. I wouldn't care if I was that stupid, because they're too stupid to notice. Me, I'm just, just, just by a sliver, by a sliver, am smart enough to know, holy shit, I am the dumbest fuck around. And not really, but the dumbest one of people who know how intelligent or not intelligent they are. This guy, holy shit, man. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. He clearly never dealt with, like, I don't know if it was a new customer thing or a customer thing in general. I'm fully expecting to get back a wedding dress on tomorrow night or tonight when you're listening to this at, you know, 6.15. Here you go. Here's your suit, sir. This is not a suit nor mine, but thanks. And I'll wear it anyway. It'll be a great conversation piece. It's not my wedding. Okay. (sighs) Unbelievable. That's a true story. That's not something that I, you know, hey, I've got this, I've got these, like, pieces to a story that could be a story and I'll just make up some shit to you know make the story sound really good for the podcast no this actually happened that was actually a play-by-play of how that shit went down 
<sighs> I don't know how to segue, but I'm going to try. And I'm going to start with the trade deadline shit. We are less than a week away from the trade deadline. And awesomely so. Is awesomely a word? I don't know that it is. But awesomely slow? Awesomely slow? Holy shit. That's worth editing out. And yet you just heard it. Awesomely so. And again, no idea if awesomely is a word. Trades have yet to happen. And there's a lot of big moves that could happen. Like there's a lot of shit out there that could go down. I, again, I, like I try not to get too excited because most years when it looks like a lot's going to happen, nothing really happens. This year I'm excited for it though because there's a lot of UFAs. There's a lot of teams who are falling out of, like, not just falling out of playoff spots, but, like, falling out of being any kind of contenders. You know, I know Chicago's still in the hunt for that final playoff spot in the West, but are they going to be buying? No, they're more likely to sell. I don't know what they've got to sell, but they would be more likely to sell. LA is going to sell. Minnesota, it sounds like, are going to sell, which is interesting. Um, Anaheim, even though Anaheim's look better under Bob Murray, they are likely to sell. So I think we got some true sellers. We got some big name UFAs. And then we got a lot of teams that are going to be pretty big buyers. I listed off, I could be not, well, I, I wrote this the other day, but... I have as quote-unquote true buyers because, I mean, there will be teams that will nibble around the edges and add a thing or two here. But I'm talking like teams who sounds like they're going to be all in. Boston, Calgary, Nashville, Pittsburgh, San Jose, even though they've got nothing in the tank to trade, Toronto and Winnipeg. Tampa is on a 60-win pace. And they're very loaded. I'm sure they'll do some tweaking, minor tweaking, but I don't think that they're going to be in for anybody big name. And I think Washington's going to be satisfied after last season. And then you have the true sellers. And I had Anaheim, L.A., Minnie, and, of course, Ottawa. And I put down others may sell, but those are the teams that I personally see having the biggest impact. Now, there's two teams that I left off here. One is Columbus, and I call Columbus a hybrid. And I think it all depends on what they can bring in. And then if they, can br- if they know they can bring in certain pieces, then they're going to sell off their big two pieces. So I believe they're they're red hot after one of Duchesne or Stone, but they'd want an extension involved in the deal. And if they get one of them, then they'll sell Panarin. And I think if they could if they could get a high end goaltender, hello Jonathan Quick, then the same deal with Sergei Bobrovsky. Obviously, I mean, very obvious. That one kind of really goes without saying. But here's another one for you with Columbus. To watch for, Devin Dubnik. Nobody talks about Devin Dubnik. 
And Minnesota, Devin Dubnik is not having a good year. I want to say Devin Dubnik by, oh, geez, what is the one that I think, I think it's Sean Tierney always puts it out with his graph there, and it's, I can't remember, I don't think it's GSAA, but there's some metric that I've read now a couple times, and Dubnik's one of the worst goaltenders in the league, basically, by that metric. I, I sound shitty bringing it up and not... Uh, not knowing what it is. But like this, like Devin Dubnik, what GSAA, he's 0.83. That's, that's not, not great. That's really not great. Um, I'm just trying to look some stuff up now. Uh, you know, I said Devin Dubnik's name. Honestly, I, I said Devin Dubnik's name uh, off the top of my head. And now I'm curious. <laughs> this is. I do this at least. Oh, good. Cap friendly's down. That's perfect timing. Let's go NHL numbers. Does this work? Didn't this site have a virus a couple years ago that, like, killed everything in its path? Oh, we'll see. Let's go Minnesota Wild. The site's changed a lot since I've last been on it. Uh, What I'm looking for here is if Dubnik has a no move or no trade or both or neither. Um, yeah, it looks like NHL numbers is not the site to go to if you want to look up that sort of thing. And cap friendly's down. And there's others, but I cannot remember what they're called. So this is lovely. This is just terrific. (laughs) But I'm off the premise that Devin Dubnik doesn't have a... No trade, no move. Even if he does, would you not move it to go to Columbus? Like, I think that would be a pretty easy sell. Especially if, like, Devin Dubnik would know, hey, you know, I'm I'm going to be the guy if they're trading for me. Right? You'd know that. Wouldn't you? So, yeah, I... I just I can't believe that happened where Cap Friendly's down right when I need it. Anyway, the point being I would watch for uh I would I should really got to get off this cuz it's distracting me. I'm watching for Columbus to be a hybrid. They have they have trip chip there, chips to play. This is the first podcast I've done in nearly 3 weeks and only like the second one I've done in like Six weeks? Something like that? It's showing. It's showing. Um, So, yeah, Columbus is a hybrid. And then the dark horse for a big deal I got is Carolina. And I really won't be surprised if they do something huge, to quote DT, DT45. That's what I call them. I I want to sound street and hip. So I call him DT45. Um, yeah, I, I, it would not stun me at all, given Tom Dundon's style of being super aggressive. It would not surprise me in the least if all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Carolina ends up pulling off something massive. 
Now, what could that massive thing be? They really need an upgrade down the middle. They need that catalyst down the middle. Now, maybe that's a rental. Maybe that's Matt Duchesne, you know? Like, I, I could name a lot of teams that Matt Duchesne makes sense for on a contract extension, you know? Um, not to... <laughs> Oilers fans really won't like hearing this, but, you know, Oilers fans understand the Oilers have to look at everything right now. Rod Brindamore loves him some Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I'm not saying you trade Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Not saying that at all. But with only two years left on his contract after this, if Carolina is willing to overpay a bit, you'd have to really think about it. And they've got a chip in Martin Nekash who might be a chip where you go, okay, so that kid's going to be 20 next season. He's going to be ready to step into the league. He has ridiculous skill. He's a right-handed shot setter. You know, year one of his ELC. Like, oh. I'm not saying you do it just for knee cash. I'm saying if you could get a package built around knee cash, that that's interesting. That is interesting. You know, like would you do, let's say if they came to you and they said, we'll give you knee cash, the first, and Justin Falk for Chris Russell, give it, if Russell's willing to waive, for Chris Russell, let's add on one more thing there. Let's say they eat the difference with Justin Falk and Chris Russell. Let's say they do that. So you get knee cash, their first, Justin Falk with the difference eight between him and Chris Russell. Chris Russell goes the other way with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Think about that. Think about that. Think about the cap that that clears. That clears, essentially... Clears $5 million. Gives you the right-handed, second-pair, puck-moving defenseman that this team has needed forever. Now, would he re-sign? Would he sign an extension? I don't know. I don't know if Justin Falk would sign an extension in Edmonton. Would Justin Falk waive to come to Edmonton? Very iffy even saying that. But that's honestly a deal that would make a lot of sense for Carolina. And if you're the Oilers in the situation that they're in, I don't want to trade Ryan Nugent Hopkins. There's a lot of guys on the Oilers I do not want to trade. But the problem is the Oilers are in a situation now where they have to be open-minded about moving anyone without the number 9-7 on their jersey. You can't have, if they don't have those numbers... You can make an argument for anyone. And I'll make the argument against Nuge. You don't, you know, like you can buy down on a guy like Nuge. You can buy down on that guy. It's the same argument that can be made for Dreisaitl. You can buy down on Dreisaitl. I, I do not, 
I could go. I, there's probably three quarters of the Oilers roster. I want nothing to do with trading. But you can make the argument, and you have to be open minded and look at it. Now, would Keith Gretzky, like, even if Russell was willing to wave to go to Carolina, Falk was willing to wave to come to Edmonton, you know, even if Carolina threw that offer out, even if all those chips came into play, you know, would Keith Gretzky have the balls and have the authority to do something big like that? I can't see it. I really can't see it. So, but I mean, I I do think that that's, that's something that Carolina might be trying to do because Brenda Mart just loves Ryan Nugent Hopkins and he is the type of guy they desperately need. So, you know, maybe, maybe, I know it's far-fetched, I know, I know, but, you know, and, and Carol, but Carolina is going to end up doing something like that. I, I truly believe that that's coming. They are right in the thick of it. They're, they're, they're just gaining a ton of traction. I, I can't see them not doing anything. They can't go get a guy like Bobrovsky Columbus isn't going to make that move. They're not far off Columbus in the standings. So hell no, that's not going to be a landing spot for Bobrovsky. I do think they need a goaltender. I, I like Curtis McElhaney, but let's be realistic. I, I don't know if Curtis McElhaney's the guy long term, that's for sure. Or if he's even the guy who can get them to the playoffs. But I mean, people would have said that about Keith Kincaid last year. And he easily got Jersey to the playoffs. He stood on his head. It was unbelievable. But man, there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts here. It's it's an interesting trade deadline. Just with the Oilers, I'm gonna say you know um, losing in the shootout here. What'll be last night? I'm sure when you hear this, um, you know that they're a seller. They're a seller. They're not you know like. If they buy, holy hell. Like, <laughs> scary, scary stuff. But no, they're a seller. They, they haven't got much to sell. Um, I'll get to them later on, try and stay on track here and look at the rest of the league. Um, I want to see Toronto really get aggressive here. A little bit because I pull for the Leafs. You know, I've been open about that in the past. Um I don't really get the hate for Toronto in Western Canada. Like, you know, guys hate that they're always, you know, talked about on Sports Center and SportsNet. I mean, I should say TSN and SportsNet, but you know, don't you get how TV works? Like, uh, they wouldn't talk about these things if it didn't you know, wasn't influenced by the ratings. You know, we can say, oh, you know, it's, you know, TSN's Toronto Sports Network. Well, yeah, like there's what, seven, eight million people in the GTA? Like alone? Like that's what? What's the population of the entire prairies combined? It isn't like half of that. So like, yeah, Toronto's a big deal. And hello, they're what, second in the league? You know, it's kind of been back and forth with Calgary lately on that. With, you know, what, 
20 times the fan base that the Flames have. And, you know, I'm that's not to take a shot at the Flames. That's, you know, probably 15 times the fan base that the others have. It's just, it's a popularity thing. You know, the Leafs are the most popular Canadian team. At least in English Canada, they are. So they're going to be talked about nonstop by media outlets. Kind of a given. It's not their fault. Plus, um, you know this absolute shitstorm that the Oilers have had to put up with, the Oilers and the fans have had to put up with for the last decade? Well, the Leafs have gone through like three different decades of that shit. They had Harold Ballard in the 80s. Okay? They had to live through this themselves. The 70s weren't overly kind to the Leafs either. The two, th- you know, from what? 2006, after the lockout, right until 2016, the Leafs have had to put up with garbage. That was another 10 years. So they've at least had two decades, by my count, of this level of shit. So I have empathy for a fan base that's gone through that, and I'd like to see them do well. So, And I'm intrigued, and they're, and they're extremely well run. As an adult, I find myself pulling for teams that are extremely well run. Okay, and I, I view the Leafs as that team. Have they got lucky along the way? Yeah, they've got some bounces. For sure, they've caught some bounces. They caught some bounces with, with Babcock and Matthews and Tavares. They've caught some bounces. But, hey, good organizations do that. And teams are going to get bounces. Fuck, the Leafs haven't caught bounces like that, or hadn't caught bounces like that for mm, 50 years. You know, they never had the best talent on the planet to fuck up. They never had that. You know, they, they've had shitty scouting. They've had really shitty scouting. They had, they've gone through stretches where they've been horribly run. But they, they, the Leafs never did that. The Leafs never pissed away high-end talents. Well, I mean, they have, but not, like, in the last how many years, you know, the Oilers got Yakupov. I wasn't a Yakupov fan. That's the first mistake, is that they took the wrong guy. But I don't think Yakupov should have been an out-and-out bust. I never think the first overall pick should be an out-and-out bust. Yakupov got turned into an out-and-out bust by the Oilers. They're doing the same thing with Jesse Pugliarvi right now. And then they're pissing away the career of Connor McDavid. <sighs> anyway, the Leafs. I still think the Leafs got to do something big. Now, it's ironic from an Oilers point of view. I actually think the Oilers got a lot of pieces that the Leafs, that fit what the Leafs need. Zach Cassian. Zach Cassian would be a good ad for the Leafs. You might even have the Oilers in a position where they'd have to eat a little bit on Zach Cassian. I doubt it, because the more I think about it, the more I'm like, no, 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 no. Even though he's a slight bit overpaid, that isn't a bad contract for what he's going to give you in the playoffs. 
So I definitely don't think, you know, while, and, and I think about guys like Simmons and Furland, Cassian kind of falls into that group a little bit. I mean, he's not going to play in your top nine. I know that. But Cassian, the bottom line is Cassian can fit with a speedy and skilled team and still give you that toughness that you want out of the, you know, that you that you crave if you're the Leafs. He can give you that gamesmanship. You know, he, he can give you a little bit of nasty edge. Like, so that's a guy. Another guy that I, I honestly think the Leafs should be looking hard at is Matt Benning. And again, like, look at Matt Benning's analytics. They're actually pretty good. I do not like Matt Benning as a top four defenseman, but as a number six defenseman, he's fine. And from the Oilers' point of view, they have three kids next year who are all going to be competing for that right-handed spot on uh, the bottom pair. So there's no point in spending $1.9 million on that spot when you got three kids who are all better puck movers, which is something you drastically need in your lineup, who are all going to make, even if Bouchard hits his max uh, performance bonuses, he would still be about 300000 or so, I think, cheaper than Matt Benning. For me, by the way, Joel Pearson's that guy. Like, Pearson's, Pearson's what, 25 next year, I think. He's the guy. Bear will have had two, essentially, two full seasons in the AHL. He'll be, you know, you're not rushing Bear if he gets that, if he wins out with that spot. Bouchard, I want to see in the AHL for at least half the season. But again, I'm going to get to the Oilers. Ooh, I got a lot to say on the Oilers, as you could guess. But, you know, if I'm the Leafs, the guy the guy I've really liked for the Leafs, and I don't know if he's available at this point, but the guy I've really loved the idea of for them is Radko Gudis. And Radko Gudis, again, you get that nasty edge. But... Radko Gudis has great analytic numbers. He push, you know, the he tilts the ice when he's out there. He's he's a good player. He's not just a nasty guy to play against. He's a very good hockey player. You know, he is. He's a very good hockey player. He's a right-handed shot defenseman. Like that's that's the guy that you know, just fits perfect for them, in my opinion. You know, I hear this talk about Adam McQuaid for the Leafs, and I'm like, oh, like I guess, but I, I don't see, like, Adam McQuaid to me is just a Coke machine. Like, he's tough, but I, I don't think he would fit the way the Leafs play. You know, like, and if you're going to get Adam McQuaid, why wouldn't you go get, I don't know, like, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, so I'm talking out my ass a little bit on this, but, like, is there a big difference? I'm I'm honestly asking. Is there a big difference between Adam McQuaid and Alex Petrovic? And again, I'm looking at it from a, a bias Oilers point of view here. I realize that. But, like, I just, I, I don't know. I think of the two players, think of seeing them play, and I think... Uh, well, there's really no. 
difference between the two of them. And I'm just going to actually look it up right now. If I can find Alex Petrovic, there he is. And then I want to find Adam McQuaid, there he is. And let's load. Thanks to the boys at Offside Review. This is a new site that I just have stumbled upon here lately. Uh, what do I not have done to load this? Uh, invalid input. Okay. I'm looking. This is this is great stuff. I realize that. Uh, you know, hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, I know that I have been very prepared for this, as you can tell. Um, yeah, I'm really not seeing what I don't have <laughs> loaded. But... Uh, wow. It's, yeah. Maybe I don't... Oh, there we go. <laughs> oh, wasn't that great? Wasn't that great to listen to? Uh, this is the 2018 season. They're not even going this season. Shit. Well, it should be this season. Well, maybe that's what it means by 2018. Anyway, so we got McQuaid and we got Petrovic here. So expected goals, 0.68 for Adam McQuaid, 0.61 for Petrovic in Edmonton, but 1.13 when he was in Florida. Is that right? Yeah, Florida. And, I mean, you know, McQuaid's got four points on the season. Uh, You know, I'm not big into Corsi, but... You know, I'm looking at some of the, you know, I-Corsi, 11.98 for Petrovic, 12.15 for Petrovic in Edmonton, 5.95 for McQuaid in New York. You know, the Fenwick's lower, too, for McQuaid. I just, I, I, I don't, yeah, wow, I really don't get that. You know, and McKenzie said that the lease would pay a 4 and a 7. Like, I guarantee you could get Petrovic for a sixth from the Oilers right now. Or at least a fifth, that which the Oilers don't have. They'll need to recoup. That's one thing it uh, doesn't get talked about in Edmonton. Peter Shirelli gave up the fifth rounder this season for Hayden Hockey, who does not have a contract and is in his senior season at, I believe, Providence College? NCAA somewhere. Doesn't have him signed. Gave up a fifth-round pick for him. Probably not going to sign him now that Peter Shirelli's gone. Thanks for that, Pete. That was a great thing you did for the Oilers. What? Burning the entire organization to the ground as you did. <sighs> anyway. I, I, I just... Okay. So, I got to stay focused here. With the Leafs, I... I <sighs> I like the position they're in. I don't, you know, I don't want them to go get, you know, dumb shit listening to stuff about, well, they need an enforcer. Here's one. Apparently they were interested in Kyle Clifford. I don't like hearing that. Like, if Kyle Clifford, that's, no. When people say your team needs more toughness and more size and more grit, you know, things like that, I think, most people are done talking about the fourth line enforcer when they say that. You're talking about a Wayne Simmons. You're talking about a Zach Cassian who, you know, it doesn't put up a lot of points, but he can skate. He can play with skilled players. You're talking about a Michael Furland. 
I don't know. I, I really like that. I've talked about that with my one buddy who's a big Leafs fan the last few days. Like, that's Benning and Cassian are both great. I don't know. You know, they both got 1.95 and 1.9 on their deals for next year, respectively. I don't know if that'll fit into the Leafs' budget for next year because obviously we all know they're going to be cap strapped. But I, I really like those two as fits, and I think the Oilers would sell them for pretty cheap. You know, would you rather do that or would you rather go, you know, again, I love the idea of Gudis, don't get me wrong, love the idea of Radko Gudis as the number four guy playing with Jake Gardner, and especially because of that. Gardner is terrible in his own zone, but maybe if you pair him with a guy who has that, you know, that unpredictability, I guess you could call it. Such a nasty edge, but also can move the puck. Also, you know, has good possession numbers. That's why I like Gudis. It's because he brings all that stuff that the old school hockey guys love, and he also checks out analytically. But I don't know. Is Philly going to sell? Philly's Philly should sell. Philly's right on the edge of should they, you know, Will they or won't they? They should. You know, it's funny tonight. Well, I guess, again, last night for people listening, but Philly started Brian Elliott instead of Cam Talbot? What? Like, I guess, you know, maybe if you want to dump him, I guess maybe that's their play here. But, geez, like, I'm looking at it kind of going, why did they get Cam Talbot? Like, I don't think the Oilers, like, you know, pulled, you know, got one over on them by any means. But it's just like, I, I don't get why Philly did the trade. You know, sign Cam Talbot in the offseason if you want him to pair, you know, if you want a guy to pair with Carter Hart. But why why do it now? You know, but anyway, you know, looking at it now, Columbus is in the second wild card spot. Yeah, Columbus really ain't trading with Carolina. I'm <laughs> looking at it now. I didn't realize Carolina's only one point back of Columbus right now. Both lost tonight. Philly is seven points. You're not catching Columbus. Like, Buffalo has a game in hand on you. You're not catching both Columbus and Carolina. Let's put it that way. You've had your big run, and you're still seven out. Sorry, six out. Like, you're still six points out. So you're not, you're not getting up there. Oh, geez. Leafs losing overtime tonight. No, they got a game in hand on Boston, but they're two points back of Boston. Oh. Talk about the team that they don't want to see in the first round. Especially if they don't have home ice. Oh, that's rough. That is rough if you're the Leafs. Here's a crazy one for you. Islanders hang on to top spot in the Metro, and the Canadians hold on to the first wild card spot? Like, who do you take in that series? Montreal's actually only five points back of the Islanders. Islanders have two games in hand. But yeah, Montreal's only five points back of the Islanders. I'd take the, I'd take the Habs all day in that series. Hmm. Anyway, I'm getting a little bit off topic here. 
but that's kind of the deal with this show now, I guess. Wonder when I should stop it here and get to the Oilers stuff. I've done 43 minutes. I haven't done a soups on hockey here for a while, but I'm really interested in the trade deadline. You know, Winnipeg with Mark Stone. I don't love that. I I wish you know Matt Duchesne, Kevin Hayes. You know, the second line center. That a lot of people have talked about. That's what I'd like for Winnipeg. Mark Stone feels more like the PR move rather than the rational hockey move. You know, like, I, I don't know. Where does he fit? What do, what do you give up? Like, you're going to pay a shit ton for something you don't need. But, hey, he's he's a star from Winnipeg, so we got to get him. Really? And I know the play. They would try and re-sign him, totally. You know, if you're the Jets, what you should have done was maybe, I don't know, not re-signed Blake Wheeler? People would hear that and laugh. Blake Wheeler lives off Mark Shifley. Like, there's a lot of numbers that show that. That Mark Shifley is doing all the heavy lifting between those two. And Blake Wheeler is what now? 32 years old? And that contract hasn't even kicked in yet? Oops. Love Kevin Cheveldayoff. Love the job he's done there. That's not going to go down as a very good move. Blake Wheeler was a perfect candidate to just let the clock run out on his contract. Just let that clock run out. You know, he is considered a rental. And, like, how did you not know that Mark Stone was probably going to be, you know, a pretty good chance of Mark Stone pop of it? Now, maybe. I wish I had Cat Friendly up while I'm doing this podcast. It's really a piss-off that I don't because I can't see who has no movement clauses. But if Blake Wheeler doesn't have... I'm sure Blake Wheeler has a no movement in his new deal. But if Blake Wheeler doesn't have a no movement, I have to wonder, would Kevin Dayoff possibly pull off a trade for Mark Stone and then flip Blake Wheeler somewhere else to get that center? And then re-sign Stone. Because for the money that you're paying Wheeler, you could probably give that to Stone and that's a much better investment. You're slowing your team down a little bit. Wheeler's a way better skater at this point than Mark Stone is. But Stone's what, 26, 27? I think 27 now. And Wheeler's 32, yeah, so, you know, five years. Five years, six years, something like that. I want to say Wheeler's an 86 and Stone's a 92. Because <laughs> they're an 04 and 2010 draft picks. But, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get it from the Jets' point of view unless it's something along those lines and they do that big of a shakeup. Would they have the balls to do that big of a shakeup? Because that's a big shakeup, man. And that's a little dirty pool. Like, I I would have no problem with it from Kevin Cheveldayoff, but that would be viewed in NHL circles as pretty dirty pool by Kevin Cheveldayoff to give his captain a big extension like he did and then flip him before the deal kicks in. That would be, yeah, that would be something. There would be a lot of backlash over that. But I wouldn't blame him. You know, if it's a business, man. 
It's a business. You know, it's like bringing up Nugent Hopkins as a possible trade candidate for the Oilers. I love Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and I want Ryan Nugent Hopkins to stay. But if the Oilers are going to get a deal that gets them a little bit out of cap hell while not downgrading the talent of the team, you're downgrading the experience of the team if it's, you know, the deal I suggested. But if it's a deal that is kind of a no-brainer like what I proposed, you know, you can't say no, no matter how much you love Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I've got a friend, a very close friend, who probably doesn't listen to this podcast because he listens to a lot of really good podcasts, and I don't think I'm one of them. But that friend is like the biggest Ryan Nugent Hopkins homer I am. He's a bigger homer for Nugent Hopkins than I am for Darnell Nurse. Like, he views Nugent Hopkins in the same way that most view Connor McDavid. I bring up trading or doing anything with Nugent Hopkins... And it sounds like it comes back in a text message sounding like I just suggested that he whack one of his kids. I guess he's only got one kid, this friend I'm talking about. But like, but you have to look at all options. I would look at trading Darnell Nurse if I'm the others. And I didn't mean to get on this, but you know they have to look at all options. If you're the Jets and you seriously want to bring in Mark Stone, okay. But A, for the price you pay, you better have a realistic chance of re-signing him. And if you want a realistic chance at re-signing him, then you're probably going to have to ship Blake Wheeler elsewhere. Not because the position will be overloaded. You've got other guys that you can move out. But they're without Mark Stone. They're probably going to have to offload a Nick Ehlers this summer. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. The, the line A thing, the line A lack of performance here this season might work out amazing for the Jets. Because he might have cost himself a couple mil on a long-term deal. And the Jets might be laughing. Because, I mean, who the hell thinks that line eight isn't worth seven mil a year. Yet the Jets are going to have all the ammo they need to say, you know, if this keeps up, to say, hey, you're not worth any more than Willie Nylander. And then they'll have one of the best snipers in the game moving forward for less than seven mil a year or seven mil a year. If it's only a six-year deal, who the fuck cares? You know, that's that's the argument I'd make... And I haven't done this since then, but since the Matthews deal, but like the everybody going ape shit about oh, they only got Austin Matthews for five years. Do we realize how much the league could change in five years? Let me give you some things that's going to be different in five years in the NHL. There are going to be thirty-two teams in five years. There is going to be a new CBA in five years. Sports Legalized sports gambling is going to be in full effect in another five years. So you're telling me that none of those things would have an impact on the cap? Now, maybe you're sitting there saying, right, Soups, they will... And that's why they should have done eight years on him is because then that deal would look like highway robbery. But here's the thing. You can still re-sign him again in five years. That 
it, just because he only got five years, five years doesn't magically say, okay, but now, now you have no chance to re-sign him. That's not what it does. That's not what it does. And who's to say that Matthews is worth more, substantially more, in five years than he would have got on an eight-year deal? Like, what if, what if in five years, Matthews is only worth, only, but 14 mil? Let's say he's only worth 14 mil at that time. Did you really hurt yourself by only doing five years the first time around? No. So, like, settle down. You know, and that, yeah, anyway. I, I, I'm way off topic again. What are the odds? Pittsburgh has to do something big. I don't know what that is. Apparently, it's not going to be Matt Duchesne. Um, Elliot Friedman was as surprised as I was to kind of find out that that's probably not going to be the move. Um, like, I wouldn't, would anybody be shocked at Kessel going out and them bringing in another big ticket? Kind of in a roundabout way, kind of in the way that I'm suggesting Columbus does with Panarin, where they go get a rental that they can re-sign and then ship Panarin elsewhere. Like, because it's not like Columbus doesn't have the cap to get that big-time player. They totally do. They had it ready for Panarin. Panarin doesn't want to sign there. But it's not a bad place to sign. Like, it's just, it's just circumstances. It's really not a bad spot for Columbus. People have said all year, well, I don't know if they should sell him or not. You just got to roll the dice. Why the fuck would you roll the dice when you can go get a fucking rental that you, like, let's just say Mark Stone, that you could probably have a really good shot at re-signing, who's damn near as good a player, even though they're different players, he's damn near as good a player. What, ha- like, what if Columbus, what if the Jets go to Columbus and say, we'll give you Blake Wheeler and... We want back, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois. I'm not saying Columbus would do that. In fact, Columbus would be stupid to do that. But then Columbus could turn around and say to someone else, okay, we've got Panarin. We want a young center back. You know, hey, Boston, we want, I don't know. Boston doesn't really have too many real good young centers. So that's maybe a bad example but you know whoever you know i'm thinking about, <laughs> i'm thinking of this on the fly but like it's so stupid people saying well they should keep panarin why 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 would you just settle for a rental when you could you know flip whatever you get for that rental for another rental who's willing to resign why why would you do that why would you just keep the rental and then lose them for nothing in the offseason? Same with Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky wants, oh, cool. This is not a market that's a tough sell for good players to come to. You just opened up two key spots for two key players on a team and an organization that people want to play for. Jonathan Quick, I'm pretty sure, has a no-move clause. But I'm pretty sure Jonathan Quick would waive it to go to Columbus. I don't know that. But I I haven't heard too many players say no to Columbus. Running out of time here. 
well, I gotta, I, you know, you know what? I gotta, I gotta stop this and start it up again because I just got more to say here. I don't want to run out of time. How do you like that seamless transition where I just start the second part without you even knowing? Doesn't sound like I did, but I did. But I did. And I had time to look up. Devin Dubnik does have a modified no trade clause. Thank you very much, Cap Friendly, for being down at the worst possible time you could have been down for maintenance. Thanks, boys. But thanks to SportTrack, I was able to find that Devin Dubnik does have a modified no trade, which is fine. Again, Columbus, that's a guy. That's a guy. Minnesota is looking to move out salary. Devin Dubnik makes $5 million a year and has not had a good year. They're rebuilding. That's a good guy to go get and then dump Bobrovsky. All he's got left is two years and actually real cash. It's only, a, I think I said five mil. That's the base salary this year. It's only 4.3 of a cap hit. <laughs> that's that's Miko Koskinen territory. <laughs> and then if you're worried about the actual cash, it's actually only 3.5 and 2.5. That's really interesting. Like, that's that's a perfect guy for the Columbus Blue Jackets to go get. I like the idea of Jonathan Quick because that's, man, I, I you know, I'm not big on, ah, proven winner or anything like that, but I just, I just think Quick's elite. And actually looking at it now on here, Quick doesn't have a no move, according to Sport Track. I'm pretty sure he does. But according to them, he does not. Man, like that's 5.8, like it runs till he's 36, but I mean, you could compliance buy him out when the new CBA hits. Like that's, that's a good looking contract. Whew. That is one heck of a contract. 5.8, like I, I know he gets hurt a lot, but man, I have always been a massive Jonathan Quick fan. You know, if Montreal was really smart, they would pounce on this opportunity at the trade. Like, they would go get Devin Dubnik and send Carey Price to Columbus if it was possible. Like, if you want to be really, you know, like I talked about Kevin Dayoff being, you know, dirty pool and whatnot. If you want to be really ruthless, Mark Bergevin, do that. You know, you're playing with house money this year. What a golden opportunity to get rid of that that I, I love Carey Price he ain't worth 10.5 he got 10.5 because he's a Montreal icon and the Habs were desperate that's why he got 10.5 I would not pay any goaltender 10.5 million I would not not for a huge amount of years I wouldn't anyway I'd give a goaltender 10.5 million for one year you know, I would pay Carey Price that kind of money, but I I would not do it. Ooh, 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 ooh. And what do they got him on? You you can tell now that I'm looking up. Oh, I guess Carey Price has a no movement, and that might be a tough sell to get him out of Montreal. You know, with with the team rolling like they are. But man, he's eight years, eighty four mil. Woof. per. I mean, I'm not making fun of 
any team's boat anchor contracts because the Oilers have like eight of them. So I'm not making fun of it. I just, man, the second that Mark Bergevin gets a chance to get out from under that contract, he better. Anyway, I'm I'm really intrigued by watching what Jarmo Kekalainen does because for me, I see it as a golden opportunity for Columbus to fix their problem on the fly. You land Jonathan Quick or Devin Dubnik and a Mark Stone or Matt Duchesne, like on the fly here, like you're not, you know, and and you, you go after Matt Duchesne, you might be able to get out from the Alex Wenberg contract. You know, you're only adding, even if you give Matt Duchesne eight times eight, you're only adding four mil, less than four mil to your cap. And getting, like, you're turning four mil of dead space into eight mil of very valuably used, I don't even know what the right word is to say, you know, using eight mil of good space. Is that is that right? Did I say that? Did I just say that like a moron? Remember, I'm not smart. Just remember that when you listen to this podcast and you say things like, holy fuck, this guy's an idiot, I'll say, yep, yep, and you were warned, so aren't you kind of dumb if you're saying that and still listening? Because you were warned and you're still listening. Really intrigued at Columbus, really intrigued by Toronto, Winnipeg, I mean, I don't know. Truth be told, when I when I start looking at trade deadline stuff, I get myself excited because I go, ooh, ooh, that's something that nobody else might be looking at that I'm looking at, like the Blake Wheeler thing in Winnipeg, like what I think Columbus should be doing is doing the hybrid buy and sell. Like you're not really selling, you're not really buying you're just swapping out what's going to leave for what'll stay, which would be the very smart thing to do. The very dumb thing to do would be to lose those guys for nothing, and then you're going to have to trade more chips in the summer, and it's just like, you know, like, let's say you can go get Jonathan Quick. Like, why in the hell would you let would you ride it out with Bobrovsky and then go look to trade for a guy in the summer when you have less chips, when you could trade Bobrovsky maybe now? Like, who's to say Calgary wouldn't want him and or he be or Calgary be on his list? Or the Islanders? You know, I... I <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. Would the Islanders want him? Like they're getting phenomenal goaltending this season. Laner is a UFA, though. You know, if you're Columbus, would you do Laner for Bobrovsky straight up? Straight up. Would you do that? These are the type of things I'll think about off the top of my head. But the Islanders. Might have a real good shot at signing. I don't think the Islanders would do that. But, I mean, they haven't signed Laner to an extension. You know, if you go track record, you're getting the safer goaltender in Bobrovsky. Obviously, he's, what, a two-time Vesna winner? But Laner's turned a corner. It's interesting. It's inter. you know, I, I, I don't think Lamorello would do it, but it's something to think about. 
it's something to think about. Man, like there, there's a. I, I'm not trying to hype people on what could happen at the deadline because I don't think a whole lot's going to happen, other than a lot. You know, the rentals will obviously go. The rentals won't fetch as much in trades as GMs want them to. I don't know why other GMs waste people's time by setting a ridiculous price on their rentals. Like, what a fucking waste of time. Yeah, I, I want a first-round pick and a top-six winger for my rental. Oh, okay. I'll get back to you at 2.59 Eastern Standard Time on trade deadline day. How's that sound, bud? We'll talk then. I'm guessing when you don't get that price, you'll want to talk. <laughs> like, it's such a fucking waste of time. And I'm not a guy who likes negotiating anyway. Like, I can't stand that shit. It is such a waste of time. I will throw... When I do like fantasy drafts and shit, I'll throw what will either be very close to my best offer or straight up my best offer right away. Because I do not want to waste anyone's time. I know what something is worth. And, like, take it or leave it. You know, if you if you want to take it, cool. If you don't, don't. And, I mean, with some guys, I'm sure they'll look at those good deals and they'll always turn them down because they'll be, oh, ooh, I got this guy. Oh, I got this guy. I bet I could get three more pieces out of him. He's looking out. Look at his first offer, man. Oh, man. And I'm just apathetic to that shit. Like, so they'll say no, and I'm like, okay, cool. See ya. You know, there was a guy who had a rental in my fantasy hockey draft just this past weekend. And he knew that I had thrown an offer out for the rental. But I think, like, he kept holding off thinking that he could get more. So then he finally texted me and he's like, what would you give me? Are you interested in him? I'm like, well, yeah, I'm interested in him. But, like, these are the chips that I've got to play with. I don't know if you'd want to move him for that. But here it is. And then he throws, like, just an awful offer at me. And I just go, no, and I never sent him anything back. And he did a trade with another guy, and I have no comment on what the trade was like. But (laughs) it's just like, bud, I know what that guy's worth. If someone else wants to pay that, what you want, cool, hope you get it. I know what that guy's worth, and I'm not going to pay a penny more than that. You know, certain things are worth more to certain people. You you get yourself into those situations. Certain things are worth more. You know, Zach Cassian and Matt Benning, I brought them up earlier as maybe two guys that the Leafs should be looking at who really, I think, fit really well with the Leafs. And another reason why I think the Leafs should be in on those two is because those two aren't worth very much to the others right now. The Oilers are in cap hell, so they need to buy down anywhere they can right now, even though I dread losing Zach Cassian. I really like Zach Cassian a lot. But like the Oilers need to buy down on a lot of guys. So if you're the Leafs, why would you pay a fourth and a seventh for Adam McQuaid when you might, I stress might, not have to pay much more to get two guys, one who I think is a better defenseman 
and another who fills a pretty big need for your hockey club, you might be able to get two of those things for the same price. Because for the Oilers, those pieces aren't worth near as much as they'd be to the Leafs. You know? But, oh, man. I don't even know where I started off there. Where uh, Okay, I'm kind of running down the list. I kind of ended up running in reverse. San Jose... They're they're gonna try and buy. I just don't know what the fuck they've got to offer. I know they draft really well late. You know, um, <laughs> I get really bitter when I think about this. But so in the twenty seventeen entry draft, the Oilers, I was adamant that the Oilers needed centers. I was just just screaming. Screaming as loudly as I could. The Oilers need centers. Do not rest on three guys that you've got currently in the lineup. There is nothing beyond that in the system for the Oilers. Well, the Oilers being, you know, the Oilers, they didn't share that philosophy in that draft. Of course this doesn't come up as I'm now trying to pull it up. Oh, shit. You know that feeling when you're trying to click on something on your website and it won't come up? Oh, shit. Where am I at here? Let's go. Let's go back. I want to go to my 2017 draft rankings. Oh, there's Clem Costin, so I'm somewhere around there. Um, here we are. These were my final rankings in the 2017 draft, going into the 2017 draft. Is I had a kid by the name of Sasha. I don't want to screw up his last name. And I don't really, well, I don't know for sure. He's an American kid, but it's a Russian last name. I don't exactly know how to say his last name. Even though I had him ranked 49th that year. Um, <laughs> Chimlevsky? I've heard it before. And I feel so dumb that I don't know the proper pronunciation of his last name. Why didn't I think about this before and go on to Elite Prospect? Isn't this fun to listen to? Oh, man, there's nothing quite like listening to Soups on Research. Jeez. Yes, I'm a human. Thank you. Click Add to Chrome, and then click Add Extension. Fuck off. Click Add Extension. Fuck you. Jeez, why did I have my volume up for that? Um, well, I actually do know because I want to know how the proper pronunciation of his last name is as I sign in. Da, da, da. Da, da, da. Remember me on this computer, you fuck. I shouldn't call him a fuck. Good people at Elite Prospect. Now it won't sign in. Anyway, 
I think it's Chimlevsky, but I'm really not 100% sure, and I feel like such a douche not knowing that for sure. I had the kid, anyway, I had the kid ranked 49th. He's tearing up the OHL right now. He was the 2017 Scholastic Player of the Year, which I'm a huge, I said this in the write-up, I'm a huge sucker for because I love kids that show a high IQ. And he was highly skilled. 5'11", 179, right-handed shot. You know, he had consistency issues, but holy shit, like, he had the whole package. That kid fell to the, either the late sixth or seventh round, I can't remember. But anyway, the point being here, he was the last guy on my list when the Oilers finally took a center, and they took fucking Skylar Brindamore. And I just, I, I just, like, went nuts. Like, how do you not take that kid? How do you not take him? How is elite prospects not signing me in? These credentials do not match our records. Fuck you! How about those credentials? Those credentials say fuck you. God damn. Cheese and rice. No cat, you can't come in right now. Doing a podcast. Cat wants in. I said no. By the way, Griffey's sleeping. Yeah, Griffey's doing well. Thanks for asking. Griffey's doing well. Cat's doing good too. Just not right now. Cat's a little pissed off that she can't come in and hang out. I'm her bud. You know, she gets neglected by her mother quite a bit these days. Quite a bit. Her mom, she loves her, but, you know, she's, she's a pretty big fan of the dog. So the cat's kind of on her own. But I'm still the cat's bud. So, like, me and George will hang out sometimes. Sometimes when Dad needs a little alone time from Griffbra, he comes downstairs. Griffbra's not allowed downstairs. But George the cat is. Old Georgie Vesna, she's allowed downstairs. So she can come downstairs. She hangs out with Dad. Anyway. Chimlevsky drove me nuts. Drove me nuts. The long, 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 long winded thing to this was that the Sharks can draft. But fuck, you know, a kid like Chimlevsky, is that, and I pray I'm saying that right, is that really a piece that opposing GMs are going to go, ooh, 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 we need him. We need him. No, they're not. Their next two firsts, gone. Their top prospect was Josh Norris, gone. I'm trying to think back. 2016, did they use their first round pick? Like, I'm blanking on who they might have taken in the 16 draft. Now, they would have picked 29th. Boston picked... Trent Frederick, I believe, at 29 in that draft. So, did San Jose... No, yeah, that was the Martin Jones deal. And I swear on my life I'm doing this off the top of my head. So the Sharks didn't have a 2016, 2017, because they traded him for Carlson, 2018, 29... No, did they have a 2018? They didn't, did they? 
2018 draft. Who'd San Jose take? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, they have. Oh, yeah. They <laughs> they pissed it away. <laughs> like, oh, jeez. Ryan Merkley, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like, nobody's touching Ryan Merkley. So, like, what do you have to trade if you're San Jose? What the fuck do you have to trade? I know people gush about Doug Wilson. I think I've said this. I've gone on this rant on this podcast before. Doug Wilson, I scratch my head at how San Jose's been so good for this many years with some of the moves that Doug Wilson's done. They're not good. Like, they're really not good. And I get the sense that, you know, I have no problem with him letting Joe Pavelski walk this summer, if that's what happens. But he's going to toss 11 mil at Eric Carlson. I almost, like, come very close to guaranteeing that. Like, their cap is going to be a shit show. Like, they're going to need about seven compliance buyouts when the new CBA hits. You talk about a team that's depending on compliance buyouts, it's the San Jose Sharks. Like, Brent Burns, Vlasic, Kane won, eh, if they keep him in check, that's a good contract. Carlson's going to get 11 mil. I don't know if I'd trust Eric Carlson seven, eight years, 11 mil per. I don't know if I would. He had me 29 next year. Logan Couture, I can't remember what his big extension is because Cap Friendly's fucking down right now. I'm not happy about that. Thank you, Sport Track. Sport Track to the rescue. Never heard of you before tonight. No, that's not true. I have. I've looked them up. I've you know used them for like baseball and NFL and shit. But eight mil for Logan Couture. And that's not a bad contract. But he's, he's 30. Next year he's 30. And they're going to be paying him 8 mil per. For 8 years. You're going to want out of that contract. If he signs it, seriously, if he gives 8 years, 11 mil to Eric Carlson, he is, by the time the CBA's up, he's going to want out of the Burns deal, the Vlasic deal, the Carlson deal, the Couture deal. He might want out of the Thomas Hurdle deal. I'm not really a big Thomas Hurdle fan. Like, jeez. That Martin Jones deal doesn't look very good right now. What's Martin Jones got left as I look it up? Jeez, Martin Jones, six years. 5.75, and he's not a good goaltender. He's shown flashes. And I think he's better in big moments than he really... But holy shit, 5.75 for the next one, two, three, four, five years. Jeez. Like how how has Doug Wilson maintained an elite team over the last 15 years with this kind of cap management? Like this is insanity, man. This is absolute insanity. Now, hey, maybe he doesn't re-sign Carlson. Maybe he lets Carlson walk. 
And maybe he lets Pavelski walk too, as he probably should. Because Pavelski's, you know, 35 next year. I wouldn't be paying that guy too much big money. Or I guess if you do, maybe you repeat the six mil that he's got, but only give him two or three years. You know, I say three years. I mean, I wouldn't give him three years, but maybe that's what he'll do. And yeah, you could probably live with that. Jeez. Like, there's some bad contracts on that Sharks team. Brutal. And I didn't even, and I, you know, I said, if they keep Evander Kane in, in line, Evander Kane has not really stayed in line over his career. Once Evander Kane appears to get comfortable somewhere, that's when Evander Kane kind of starts doing Evander Kane things that seem to alienate a lot of people. I know I'm racist and I'm a bigot for saying that. Like, oh, geez, like I'm the worst person alive. Like I'm the worst person since John Wayne, right? Because, you know, that matters. What? What are we? Nearly 50 years after the fact. That matters. Like, holy shit, I'm not condoning anything the man said in the interview. But he was born in 1907. That interview was done in 1971. Imagine that. Times were different. Crazy, I know. (laughs) That might have been the dumbest thing I've ever seen on Twitter. And that covers a lot of shit. A lot of shit. (sighs) Anyway. I don't know what the Sharks are going to do. Again, long-ass story short. I know, I'm sorry. I don't know what the Sharks are going to do. Here's one for you off the top of my head with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I have not heard one person say this. Fuck me, this makes a shit ton of sense. Eric Stahl. Who's the Pens GM? Jim Rutherford. Who drafted Eric Stahl? Jim Rutherford. Eric Stahl to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Does that not make a shit ton of sense? He apparently does not want to leave many. Loves it there. You know, it's close to home for him. Uh, But yeah, you you have a chance to go in a Stanley Cup. I think you take it. You can always re-sign in many in the offseason. But Jim Rutherford comes calling. Minnie's rebuilding. Man, you do that deal. That's a... Fuck. I, I I apologize if that's been out there. I had I have not heard that, and that makes a shit ton of sense. What Pittsburgh gives up for Stahl, I'm not sure, but I don't think Eric Stahl is going to cost a lot. You know, I suggested at the start of the year that Stahl might be the guy that San Jose goes after, just because I don't think he's going to be overly expensive. But again, I have no idea what San Jose is going to pay, or what San Jose can pay. Like, they've got no ammo. None. That's why I hated that Eric Carlson trade, man. Like, that just, that just, they emptied the tank on a player that they didn't really have a huge need for. And I know it's Eric Carlson. Like, I get it. But you had a very Eric Carlson-like player already in Eric Burns, or Eric Burns, and Brent Burns. Like, you know, you badly needed a center, badly, and you blew everything on Eric Carlson. 
like, I guess Doug Wilson's a hell of a trader. You know, I heard Elliot Friedman just rave about him when, you know, the first 31 Thoughts podcast of the year. And I am um, the biggest Elliot Friedman fan without a last name being Friedman. But, like, that one, I just kind of scratched my head. Like, the guy has not put his team in contention for a cup. And I know they've looked really good lately. They don't have a goaltender. And they don't have the center depth that you need. So I don't know how they're winning a cup. Like, unless Joe Thornton, that hat trick game, is all of a sudden Joe Thornton found the fountain of youth. Hopefully. I love Joe Thornton, but I don't think so. Nashville. Nashville's one to look like. You know, Matt Duchesne. The fact that David Poyle has the cap space he has is insane. Like that, they're so insanely well run. It, it's unbelievable. They're going to have a pretty good trade chip in Dante Fabro. I don't think I would trade Fabro unless that home run type deal came around. But you could. You, you got Fabro, you got Tolvanen. I guess you got Kevin Fiala if you want to move a you know real young guy. That's uh, I doubt they would, but it's I guess when you're all in on winning a cup, you have to look at all things such as that. Let's see if my friends at Cat Friendly are back up while I'm talking here. And <sighs> tell you, this has been a bad podcast. And it's going to go three hours. This is already the second part. And I'm, only, I'm half an hour into the second part. Like, if... not good. Not good. And then, like, I kind of stumble over my words and forget my place. And I think, oh, shit, I'm wasting more time. And I'm taking up people's valuable time. No joke, this is probably going to be three hours. Well, I mean, you'll know what how much it is when you go to download it, I guess. <sighs> Man, the soups. I haven't even got to the soups on Oilers part yet. I mean, it's just the Oilers part. It's not really the soups on Oilers part, but it's the Oilers part. Nashville's going to be interesting to watch. Calgary. Calgary's kind of like San Jose where I I don't... eh, They've got more ammo than San Jose, but having just blown through a lot of their youth like they've done, you know, getting Travis Hamannick and stuff, I don't like hearing that the Flames are all in. I'm going to, at the risk of sounding like a bitter Oilers fan, and I could not say this enough every time I do a podcast... I actually, full value, full respect. I, I've always been a Brad Trey living fan. And Flames are very well run. You know, it, do they get overhyped? Or were they getting overhyped by the national media at the start of the year? Yeah, I felt so. I, th- I felt they were getting really overhyped. But have they exceeded that hype somehow? Yeah. And it's ironic that once they started exceeding that hype, then all the hype about them just went away. Like, people stopped raving about them. I think because most people said, okay, well, this isn't realistic because we didn't see this coming. It's kind of like Vegas last year. 
you know, like while I would shit on Vegas a lot, fully admit, you know, and wrongly, you know, but while I would shit on Vegas, most just weren't even paying them any attention. That feels a little bit like what's going on with Calgary right now. Anyway, why I wouldn't buy if I'm the Flames. I mean, Brad, this is house money. You are the number one team right now in the Western Conference. Even the biggest of Flames fans did not expect the Flames to be in this spot. Two reasons why I just make subtle tweaks and don't go all in, which sounds like not what they're looking at. I guess there is one guy I would go hard after, but hold on here. So... The Flames' success this season really hasn't been because of their off-season moves. Derek Ryan, James Neal, Austin Zarnick, the Dougie Hamilton trade, which I, I get it, it brought in Elias Lindholm. I get it. And I guess if you want to be, quote, hockey guy, it got Dougie Hamilton out of the room. It also cost you Michael Furland. It also cost you... I guess they were losing Adam Fox anyway, but maybe you could have done a separate deal. I don't know. It, I have a tough time saying the Flames won that deal just because Elias Lindholm has been a lot better this season. Like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. And by the way, Lindholm's really cooled off in the last couple months. You know the big reason the Flames are winning this year statistically is simply their top players are now having career years all at the same time. Giordano, Goudreau, Chuck, Monahan. Maybe that's because of Bill Peters. Honestly, like maybe that is the reason. But being conservative, conservatively looking at it, I guess you'd say. I'm looking at it going, oh, and Backlund's another one. Having a phenomenal year. You know, I always bitch about how people forget about Monaghan. That's shitty on my part that I forgot about Backlund. Like, just a tremendous season. But, like, I just wouldn't trust a team who all their top guys are having career years to be a cup contender. But I guess the other way to look at it is they're all having career years, so you got to go for it right now. And hey, fair enough. You know, may, maybe that is the right approach. I just, I, I don't know. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I don't see the Flames as any more than the new Minnesota Wild or the new Columbus Blue Jackets, where, you know, there'll be media types who will tell you that they're cup contenders, but really they're not actually cup contenders. They're just having a great regular season and they'll be a perennial playoff team. Is that unfair to say? And so I I mean they're in a position with the cap. I th- I feel like they're in a position where they could make a big you know Eric Carlson does go to free agency. I haven't got the numbers in front of me thanks to cap friendly, but I believe that the Flames would be a team that could make that work. I'm not saying that they've got 11 million cap space this summer to burn at all. I'm not saying that. But I 
feel as though without looking at it, without it right in front of me, that the Flames would have the cap flexibility to make that. I mean, I know they've got a they've got to re-sign Kachuk, and we'll see what that looks like. You know, I'm gonna guess at least seven point five. At least probably looking more towards eight to eight point five per. You know, that's not gonna be a cheap deal. But they've got so many value contracts. They got a number one defenseman. They got maybe the best defenseman in the league right now for less than seven mil. They've got one of the best two way centers in the game for less than seven mil. They've got one of the best offensive players in the game for less than seven mil. They've got one of the maybe or well not the let's not go nuts. But they got one of the one of the best two-way center or the best how do I put it with Backlund? He's not one of the best two-way centers, but like a terrific two-way second line center for less than six mil. They got Hannafin on that new deal, and he's only gonna go up. I mean, fuck, he's only 21 years old. They got Hannafin on that new deal for less than five mil. He's only gonna get better. They got Lindholm on that new deal for less than five mil. He's only going to get better. Like, fuck. Like, they're in such a terrific position with the cap. You know, Travis Hamanick has played himself into a position where you could move out that less than four mil. You know, Derek Ryan, okay, that's that's not a good-looking contract right now. You know, we all know James Neal isn't a very good contract right now. But they're in a pretty good spot, man. And James Neal, I'll, I'll say this for James Neal, you know, some Oilers fans would say, everybody shits on Lucic, look at Neal. The one thing I'll say for James Neal, James Neal has skill. Milan Lucic has never had like that elite skill, like the hands, the shot. He hasn't had those things. He's he's decent. He had decent hands and a, and a decent shot. He didn't have James Neal's hands or shot. So, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be overly surprised is if, if the Flames this summer shop James Neal around, would they be able to get rid of all of the 5.75? No, but would they be able to get rid of, say, you know, 4 mil of that? Yeah, probably. Maybe, maybe even 5. Maybe, well... 4.75 or yeah 4.75 maybe max like I, I, just, I wouldn't be surprised I'm not saying it will happen I'm just saying it wouldn't shock me I think I still feel like from the outside looking in James Neal if you had the cap space to roll the dice with a guy he's a he's a guy I'd be a lot less afraid to roll the dice on than say Milan Lucic like obviously Lucic nobody's touching Lucic Lucic is Oh jeez. I can't believe what's happened to Lucic, but like I can believe what's happened to Lucic. I just can't believe that it's happened this quickly. That's what stuns me. I I knew that this would come with Lucic. I just didn't think it happened till like maybe year 6 of his deal, maybe. Year 5? <laughs> Not year 3. Well, essentially it started in year 2. Ooh, Anyway, the other thing that I don't like with the Flames the late comebacks. 
fucking hate that. You're not going to do that in the playoffs. And this was the Flames in 2015. This was the Flames in 20- like th- this has been this core of the Flames. This has been what they do. They're the best late game team in the NHL. Like under 5 minutes to play, it's the best team with under 5 minutes to play. I say that without any actual hard evidence in front of me, but being relatively close to the situation, I can tell you I've never seen a team that good down one late in a hockey game. It's ridiculous. But you're not going to do that in the playoffs. Like it just I, I just I, I you know, never say never, I guess, but it's just odds are you're not going to do it. So I just, I don't know. The, the Flames want to buy Mark Stone. Okay, cool. You, you, you've you blown through your system once for Travis Hamanick. Like, are you re-signing Stone? And here's the other thing. If you re-sign Stone, great. You were already a high-scoring team. Who the fuck's going to be your goaltender next year? Which the goaltending situation as the season's gone on has looked more and more murky. And the blue line... As much like as much as I'll praise Giordano for the season, he's thirty five. I can't remember if he, he's all. Yeah, he's just turned thirty five. He just turned thirty five. Is he an eighty four or an eighty three? I thought he was an eighty three, which is my birth year, and I'm thirty five. I I think Giordano's. <laughs> I should really have this information in front of me while doing a podcast. Um. Yeah, I. I I don't know. I I I don't. I wouldn't be overly shocked if the Flames got bounced in the first round. So I don't think that they should buy the one guy that if the Flames bought, I would go okay. I get that is Bobrovsky, but I don't know if Bobrovsky will wave to go to Calgary. You know, it's always a you know. <laughs> It's less of a question mark with Calgary than Edmonton, but it's always a question mark when a guy is possibly going to go to a Canadian city. And if you're not getting Bobrovsky, I don't know who the goaltender is you get. Maybe quick. I can't see the Kings dealing him in division. A team icon like that. I, I could. I definitely think the Kings will look at trading him. I just don't think it'll be... I just don't think it would be in division. I, you know, is Varlamov an upgrade? No. Like, what, the fact that I even entertained that thought, it, I kind of want to kick my own ass. I I, uh, I don't know. Dubnik, again, I, maybe, but Dubnik's been shit this season. So, you know, I like Dubnik as the long-term answer in Columbus. I trust the Blue Jackets a little more, I think. You know, I I don't know for for some reason I like that. I guess it's because Bobrovsky's going and the Jackets need a replacement. Where the Flames don't, and Riddich is probably already as good as Dubnik. I guess that would be my logic behind that. So yeah, like I don't I don't know. That's the one area though. If Calgary could get a very legitimate goaltending upgrade, then I go okay. I see that. Barring that, I don't know, man. I hear that the Flames are going to be real aggressive, and I just... uh, I do like the idea of them upgrading third-line center. You know, I I do like that. 
for them but man i just i don't know i don't know what the move is the big move is that's going to make them a contender like are they seriously like maybe in on panarin like that's great that'd be fun to watch i don't know how it improves their team i really don't like i guess you know you say well you know soups then they score more goals and last time i checked you need to score more to win score more than the opposition to win like fair enough i i could guess but I don't know. I just I I just don't feel it with this Flames team, man. I don't. I feel like they're really good and they're in a spot where maybe one more piece puts them over the top, but the one more piece I don't think is going to be a rental that you blow your brains out to go get. I guess is what I'm saying. And that, you know, the window kind of is just opening there, so maybe they should be patient. Just a thought. Just a thought. The last team on my list, finally. Shit, I'm going to go two hours on just trade deadline shit. And then I'm going to do another podcast. Holy shit. The Bruins. And, you know, I don't really have much to add with the Bruins. <laughs> I really don't. Uh you know, apparently they might be in on Panarin. They're going to be in the rental market. They're a one-line team. They're, if I'm the Bruins, I think I stand pat. I do. I, I, I kind of see them as the East version of the Flames, quite frankly. Or another Columbus. Or another Minnesota. Where there isn't that move out there right now that's going to put you over the top. The only difference is, I guess, with the Bruins is the clock's ticking. Bergeron, Marchand, Chara, Rask, these guys are getting on. I mean, Chara's, you know, any year now could be his last year. Bergeron, I think he's, what, 35 next season? 34 for sure. You know, Marchand's an 88. So that puts him, you know, well into, you know, over 30 anyway. I guess next season would be the 2020 season. So he'll be, you know, 31 entering the season. You know, Rask is an 87. So, you know, he's a year older. It's the core of the team. And yeah, like I, I guess I would understand their desperation a little more. But they would have to really load up in my opinion to compete with Tampa I mean Tampa owned them last year and Tampa's even better this year Boston's worse this year not by a whole lot they've had a lot of injuries they've overcome this season but they're not as good of a team yeah I didn't even really get to the sellers today did I like Mini, I th- again, like I listed them off, but you know, Mini's gonna sell. It'd be interesting to see if Anaheim re-signs Silverberg. Like I, I'm a big Silverberg fan. I know he doesn't put up a ton of good numbers. I wouldn't overpay for him, but if you could get him at the right price, I think that's a sneaky good player. I really do. That's a guy who's kind of been limited uh, with high how high up in the lineup that he gets to play. Man. Oh, I just think if he would have had some of the opportunities over the years, that guy would have potted 30 a year. Like, I, I think that highly of him. 
But because he's so good defensively, he gets used in that role, you know, specifically by Randy Carlisle. You know, the Kings, I don't know what the Kings got left to sell other than Jonathan Quick. I guess Alec Martinez. I guess. Mini, um, there's a guy that I'm interested to see with Mini, but I could see Stahl for sure. Dubnik I could see, as I mentioned, for Columbus. And I could see Jared Spurgeon. And I could see Charlie Coyle. I've heard them, I've, like, they, they kind of got a lot of guys like that. Like they offloaded Niederreiter, he was in that group. Coyle, Spurgeon, Jonas Brodeen. Kind of guys who were, you know, for their contracts, they're okay. You know, Charlie Coyle's been connected to Boston a lot. Obviously, heavy player, Boston area kid, you know. Like, I get it. We'll see. Maybe. Would Minnie take back the Bacchus deal? Like, if <laughs> Minnie would eat that, I'm sure Boston would pay the fuck up for Coyle. Um, and then the, the Sens are the one that everybody's watching. You know, and I've got, I've actually got more on the Sens in my Soups on Oilers podcast, which I'm about to lay out. And I'll split these two up so I don't have a three-hour podcast. But this will be it for the Soups on Hockey podcast. The Trade Deadline Edition. Hopefully I get the time to do more of these in the future. Because I love doing them. As bored or as tired as I may sound right now. Man, I got a lot of weather to talk to. That one might be two hours too. Anyway, you don't have to listen to both of them. You might not listen to either. Then again, if you're listening to this... You obviously are. So, this is Soups on Hockey. I'm Tyler Campbell. I've got another podcast to record. Hopefully you check that out too. Bye for now.